0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to I Came With Fire Podcast. Tonight, we are here with Robert Renfro. Robert is a retired U.S. Air Force Security Forces defender. A friend of mine was a supervisor at one point when we were stationed together uh, at Malmstrom Air Force Base in Montana, but I'll let him tell you guys about himself. And uh, he's got a pretty awesome YouTube page as well. So, Robert,
1: Awesome. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me on. So, uh, like Brandon said, I, I just retired uh, about a year and a half ago um moved down to navarre florida that's where i'm hanging out now just hanging out on the beach and doing as much fishing and kayaking and scuba diving as i can um so just kind of living the dream down here in the beautiful state of florida
0: man i can't wait i I love the panhandle my family like i think i told you before they live they live right around where you're at and uh when every time i go and visit man being at the water there is legitimately like medicine to me so so beautiful
1: yeah it's awesome especially during like like November, December mm-hmm. time frame when you don't have to worry about any of the June grass or any of the, the weeds <laughs> and stuff coming in. I mean, it's crystal clear water, so
0: it is. Yeah. Well tell everybody your page name so they can go find you. We'll share a link too so everybody can go and subscribe.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it's uh, Active Duty Outdoors, Um, though I'm not Active Duty anymore, but it's kind of, the name's just kind of stuck. And I'm not changing it, so that's where it's at. Yeah. <laughs> um, You're so still all,
0: active in the outdoors.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. So it's a lot of scuba diving and a lot of fishing now. Um, the page yeah. has
0: kind of done a whole lot of different
1: turns and twists since mm-hmm. I started it about yeah. six years ago, because hobbies change, locations change, especially being in the military. Yeah. But, yeah, it's fun. It's just a hobby, something to do on my off time
0: man i've seen you uh some of your your videos and stuff out there on a kayak and man i i've been on some like small i've been on, like a jet ski i've been on smaller boats out there like out in the middle of the gulf and i've had you know dolphins i've seen sharks and stuff like that but i mean what's like the craziest thing you've seen out there because you're out there like sunrise which like from what i understand is when a lot of these things are like feeding and stuff like that <laughs> most active
1: yeah so uh <laughs> we try to get out there before the sun comes up one mm-hmm. right now because it's the weather's a lot cooler. But, you know, oh, yeah. the sun comes up as soon as the sun comes up, it's, I mean, it's miserable out there, but we try yeah. to get out there to beat the crowds so we can get a good, good parking spot, launch the kayaks. And, um, it's not really, I mean, it's kind of eerie and scary when you go out there and it's still dark outside, but, uh, I mean, it's kind of calming because, you know, the sun's mm-hmm. just kind of peeking up and you got to kind of yeah. see it over the horizon. But, uh, the craziest thing that I've seen out there or the craziest thing I've, I've caught was probably, a like a six foot, um, sandbar shark that I had. It took him oh. thirty five minutes to actually reel him up to the kayak and then once he got mm-hmm. to the kayak he, he broke off
0: and went back down. But that was probably yeah. the
1: craziest thing so far.
0: That is pretty crazy. Like what how would you even cook that thing?
1: <laughs> I, I don't even know how you I, get I was... in a kayak, so uh right, so that's so a good you know, point, you know, yeah, you know, yeah, right. Maybe, maybe <laughs> on the agenda, but
0: yeah, uh, note, note, to self: uh, Don't share a kayak with a shark. You know what I mean? So
2: yeah, I was yeah. sitting there and I was thinking, you're like, oh, I, I, I got six foot something with my kayak. I'm like, how is that thing not like tipping you over, like pulling you in? Like, well, I got really
0: damn near close.
2: I got a pretty good
1: kayak, you know. That's that's kind of what right. I, you got to make sure you get one of those before you go out
0: and go <laughs> yeah. that That's
1: sense. funny.
0: Cool. So. um when we, Zach and I have been planning doing this episode for a while. And, you know, when we talked about doing it, we're like, you know, when are we going to pull the trigger on this one? And we decided to make it, you know, this weekend. And, um, so you, you commented and you said that you actually had known and talk to Randy Weaver, which I found to be pretty remarkable because again, you know, the military is kind of undefeated with networking and who, you know, and all that stuff. Right. And, um, you know, I, you'd said that it's not controversial because it's definitely government overreach and that's a hundred percent the truth. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I agree and perhaps could use a better, better adjective. It's, you know, controversial in that the, uh, the FBI decided to do what it did, you know? Um, and if, if I feel like there might be a lot of people who are unfamiliar with Ruby Ridge, um, so I'll kind of like give a brief like recap, but like, Mm -hmm. um, really would just like to hear anything, um, you know, that you guys talked about what he said, because obviously, you know, unfortunately he's since passed on. Um, But so Ruby Ridge, essentially from everything that I've I've read online was an investigation by the ATF um, basically to look into Randy Weaver selling sawed off shotguns to uh, supposedly a white supremacist group. And then when there was a, a bench warrant issued, for his arrest for um not showing up to these court appearances they decided that they were going to go and investigate him well they learned that he was a green beret uh in vietnam and decided that they were going to get you know super tactical and covert and get in ghillie suits and all kinds of stuff and illegally enter his property and we're spying on him and essentially um you know, his son 14 year old son unfortunately ended up coming upon some of these uh Guys in ghillie suits. They shot and killed the family dog. Um, Sam Weaver ended up killing an FBI agent, and then uh, they shot and killed his 14 year old son. Um, so shortly after that, there was an 11 day siege where uh, Vicki Weaver, Randy's wife, was shot and killed, which I find, which honestly, I find really. Uh, disturbing, honestly, because she was holding her infant child. And I found an article from a Washington state-based newspaper from the 24 August, 1992. Uh, The newspaper is called the Spokesman Review. It says that the FBI considers Vicki and the rest of the family and the friend um, to be hostages. So to me, if if you've classified this person as a hostage and they step outside, uh, they're they're non-combatant. They're holding a child, and then you you take their life. Right, so it doesn't that doesn't really add up, right? Um, essentially, uh, Randy found out that a specific lawyer decided to take their case and defend them, and then after 11 days, uh, surrendered. Um, I see a lot of stuff online where this is just gets brushed under the rug by calling him a white supremacist. Um, and then there's some pretty wild connections between um, the Waco, Texas incident and then the Oklahoma City uh, murder building bombing with Timothy McVeigh. So um, we can get into that later. But honestly, Rob, I would just be really interested to hear like how you came to know Randy and then you know just how some of these conversations went and you know, what he had to say, you're like, you're literally hearing it from the horse's mouth. So
2: well, well, before we kind of get into that, we're going to interrupt, but I just Not wanted yet. to like touch on some specifics about like what happened and stuff. Uh, yeah. the ATF and FBI, um, they were trying to catch. So there was a white supremacist group that was near Randy Weaver. Um, mm-hmm. he did go to a couple meetings there, but he was never actually a white supremacist. He, didn't agree with their political ideologies or anything like that. He mostly went there because they were like the only people within like his region. So it was kind Mm -hmm. of like out of necessity. The FBI ETF was actually investigating the white supremacy group um, Mm -hmm. for like potentially staging incidents across the United States or attacks or, you know, domestic terrorism and stuff. And they met Randy Weaver through like in a mole that they planted in the white supremacy group. Right. And when they when they tried to get more information in the group, they couldn't get it, but they saw that Randy Weaver was like respected enough by the group. So they actually staged Randy Weaver to commit a felony. They yep. um, went up to him with shotguns and was like, Hey, I need to make some quick cash. Can you help me out and like cut the shotgun? I don't have tools to do this. Mm-hmm. And the ATF agent was like, Cut it right here. And it was an inch like below the felony line. And so Randy Weaver just being like a dude trying to help out his buddy, cut it and didn't even think anything of it. And then when you get down to like the indictment where they told him to appear in court, he received a notice saying that he was supposed to appear in court on, um, March 20th. But then the court messed up the, like somehow there was a, a clerical error and he was supposed to be there February 20th. And he didn't obviously arrive because he was told March 20th, um, And he actually was planning to arrive, and that is what caused, like, this huge issue. And it was Mm -hmm. about, like, eight months where he decided that, okay, they're, like, messing with me. I don't want to do this. Where they just existed on Ruby Ridge and didn't interfere with anything or anyone. And then finally the FBI ATF was like, well, we can't just let this felon get away with it. And that's when I started, like, doing the military tactics. So it wasn't... From my point of view, and obviously you'll get more into it, Rob, but from my point of view, he was just a guy trying to live out in the woods on his own, be left alone, and was tricked into committing a felony, and then a whole bunch of other things went down. We'll get more into it. I I, I learned a lot of stuff in the last week investigating that I didn't know, so it it went pretty well. But yeah, you you can take it from here, I guess, Rob, and kind of talk about what Randy and you spoke about or his perception.
1: Yeah, so absolutely. Um, So my... Wife is from Montana. Uh, of course, you know I was stationed up there a number, a number of times for a number of years. It's where we met was in Great Falls. Um, yep. Her mom was also from Great Falls, but at some point in time, she had moved up to Kalispell, Montana, which is a, another beautiful area of Montana, um, where she ended up meeting Randy Weaver. Um, and it was through them that that I ended up meeting Randy um, at her house uh, a couple of times. You know, just talking over the bonfire, having a couple of drinks and and chit chatting. And at first, you know when the, he introduced himself as, as Randy Weaver, you know, to me, I was like, oh, well, I'm Rob Redford. Like, I, I you know, I, I didn't know who Randy <laughs> Weaver was, you know, it, was,
2: it was just, right. you, know, we,
1: you know, we got to talking and it wasn't until, you know, we were sitting around the campfire that it kind of clicked on me and he started telling me the story about R- Ruby Ridge and, and who he was and, and the whole thing mm-hmm. that happened. Uh, and, you know, this was probably, oh man, I probably 2000, Ten, two thousand eleven, 2011, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, when when Ruby Ridge happened, you know, back in what, 1990. 1992. Um, uh, yeah, so yep. I was. August of 92. I was yep. 11 years old and I remember seeing it on the news back then. So uh, it didn't really click to me, you know, as, you know, what I had remembered when I was a kid. But, you know, through time, you know, I, I figured out that, yeah, you know, this is the whole thing that was on the, you know, the siege and everything was on the news and, and mm-hmm. it was kind of crazy. And, um, so, I mean, we just got to talking about the whole situation. He told me his side of the story on on everything that happened. And um, it was pretty crazy uh, to, to hear that, you know, just the whole overreach and kind of how he was, like you said, how he was kind of uh, asked to, to saw off shotguns. And uh, I guess that's where the controversy comes in too is, you know, um, which is a true controversy is, you know, why was he hanging out with Aryan nations and, and why was he yeah. hanging out with heads and, and, sure. and all that. so So, um, yeah. But like a lot of us, that when well, we get out of the military, uh, and I did it for a while, is I, you know, I, I locked myself up. I bought myself a farm, and I wanted to be completely away from society and away from people. And I just wanted to live my life and raise my family. So I, I definitely I see where, where that aspect of wanting to, to just be left alone comes
0: from. Definitely. I think that's one of the things that a lot of vets feel because you spend so much of your life giving to the government, the Air Force, whatever branch you're in, at the end of the day, you know, your career's over, you just kind of want to live your life and not have to deal with all the regimented uh, bureaucracy and all that stuff that the government, you know, that, that comes with working for the government, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and what, another thing I, I saw too in my research is that if you go to certain newspapers that in their articles... Is, all these newspapers put their articles online now um you there's an article um you, know, you read one i read in missouri right and it talks about him the headline it discusses you know the, the siege is over right but then you go to one from the new york times and it says you know siege with white supremacists has ended right, right. so this kind of one of the things that i what hope to do through this episode is hopefully disabuse a lot of the, the untruths and the, the uh, misinformation that seems to be out there. Cause mm-hmm. you find stuff now um some of the articles especially after he passed away you know it's like white supremacist uh, from ruby ridge passed away at 74 or whatever and immediately that you know if, if you're one of those people that just reads the headlines and there's a lot of people that just do that i'm guilty of that too right you just see oh like well who cares you know what i mean or well good mm-hmm. or whatever right. and um without even understanding what? what actually happened and understanding like zach i'm glad you brought up about the atf agent basically tricking him into committing a crime which is illegal right mm-hmm. and just say at the end of all of this I, it's a couple of things i find really disturbing is that the fbi actually considers this a success and yeah. that they they actually issued awards and things like that to some of the agents that were involved um when in reality the, the weaver family sued the u.s government and ended up getting a 3.1 million dollar settlement for them because they were wrong so, I mean, I don't know about you, but, like, that's not a success. And throwing that in the W column, to me, is is, is pretty disgraceful. But, um, you know, yeah, I just kind of wanted they,
1: they They had the – you know, we talked about it the, the two complete failures, Ruby Ridge and Waco. So, right. that was two, two operations that were led up by the ATF and completely overset right. their balance, did stuff that they were not even authorized to do. I mean, if yep. you look at – at Ruby Ridge, where they actually the FBI went in there and they they revised their rules of engagement. And their rules of engagement said shoot anybody with a gun. So yeah, us us being in the military and being law enforcement in the military, when would it ever be acceptable to ever just shoot somebody with a gun? Not even in right. wartime Never. can you go and say, right. Oh, that's my enemy, he has a gun, yeah. I'm going to shoot him.
2: They have to be right. the totality of circumstances. Right. So and I mean, exactly. And I don't know if in
1: 1992 if they had a totality of circumstances. I don't know what their rules of engagement yeah. were back then, but I can guarantee right. you that it was not shoot anybody that's carrying a weapon. Uh, no one we're in America, and two, uh, oh, I got my Second Amendment. I'll carry whatever weapon I want, especially on my own property. So, so I, mean, I mean, what's interesting yeah, about, about that?
2: Yeah, yeah and what's I interesting know, about for, that piece yeah. is that the uh, the FBI told the ATF that like, oh, he's mm-hmm. an ex like Green Beret. They said if you see him, just shoot him. And that was after like the initial oh. firefight. There was no like, like their rules of engagement after they killed his uh, dog and his son was if you see Randy at all, shoot him. Right, um, right. There were, and it didn't matter if he had anything on him. That was their go-to. So,
0: yeah. So, um, is there anything like specifically that you remember talking to him about about like what happened in those eleven days?
1: Um, so a, a lot of the stuff, you know, it was more of like, he didn't want to give up. Like he's, I mean, he, he admitted himself, he's he definitely stubborn. And that's one thing that he, looking back on it, that's one of the things that he regretted was, was being so stubborn. And, and if he would have mm-hmm. just went down and, and said, okay, I'm here, arrest me, you know, take me to court because I, I, I failed to appear. Um, he, he definitely understood that that could have a- alleviated a, a lot of the problems that they had. Um, mm-hmm. however, looking back, I mean, that's hindsight looking at the actual circumstances on paper as it stood, you got a summons to appear on March 20th for a court date that was on February 20th. You already have a warrant. So they shortly after they had that warrant, they did a ruse and, you know, they acted like they were broke down, down the side of the road. Randy came down to help him out and they arrested him then. And that's where he was charged with failure to appear. And then Mm -hmm. he was given that court date to to show up um, for for the actual um, sawed-off shotgun stuff. So, you know, it's – the whole thing was just a mess to begin with, and with hindsight, like, I mean, he would have never even known that he missed that court date because the the letter was wrong, so. Yeah. What
2: what bothers me about that is, like, so if you know he committed a felony – like, yeah, I understand there's, like, the rights of the accused, all this type of stuff, but – and you know that he's like a person who lives out in the woods, has own twenty acres, all this type of stuff. And you had to, you had to set up a hole. You're broken down just to get him to come even like interact with you because he wasn't going to in any other capacity interact with anyone else. Um, like, why do not you just grab him then and just bring him in? Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it goes to the same thing right. like with the Waco stuff when when he was he ran like every day like the same route. And they knew the route that like he ran. Um, and instead of just grabbing him one day when he was running outside of the compound in Waco, they didn't. They waited for him to go back in and then start a whole problem. So it's like it's, the ATF had like two chances to like just grab the person they wanted from the very beginning and both times just blew it.
1: Mm-hmm. And if you actually look at the dates, I mean, you're talking about the time that he failed to appear on March 20th. And then it wasn't until august 21st of 1992 which was almost 18 months after the fact so you're telling me that you let you let a hardened felon go unchecked for a year and a half and then you're gonna all of a sudden send in a special (laughs) operations group surveillance team to to survey his property i mean it kind of smells fishy just from the get-go it's almost like they they didn't want him to come off that off of ruby ridge yeah Because they knew they did
2: things wrong and they didn't want it to come out. So, and then once they were like, oh, we can just kill them all. And then, you know, history is written by the victors. There's no one else to count what the FBI ETF says. Then it was whatever their story they wanted to do. So,
0: it honestly makes you wonder what would have happened had Sam and the dog not been just out on the property, happenstance, and come across those people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it makes you wonder, like, what would have happened, like what you said, Zach? You know, history is written by. Uh, the victors you know what would, would this have been just some sort of like surprise hey we're here and then you know take some people out and then call it something totally different or you know what do you think
2: it's 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 interesting because like the whole like sam thing like specifically like i just want to touch on that a little bit like mm-hmm. I, I was when i was reading about it and learning more about it i, I put myself in like sam's shoes right so right you're you live out on this like twenty acre area. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that your father probably isn't telling you about like the F- FBI ETF like coming to get you because like why would you need to know as the son or anything like that, right? Yeah. And even if he did, you would expect like if they showed up to announce themselves or something like that. So like imagine you're Sam and you're out hanging out with your dog, playing fetch or scoofing off or whatever, right? You're out in the middle of the forest, so of course you're going to have a gun. I think Sam had like a like, a three hundred eight like, rifle for, like, hunting. Like, it wasn't, like, an AR-15 or anything like that. It just had a normal, like, three hundred eight like, rifle, right? Yeah. Woodstock, all that type of stuff. And then out of the bushes come, like, two people, like, wearing ghillie suits. suits, Looking real sketchy. They shoot your dog in front of you. Like, what else would you do? They never once announced that ATF or FBI or anything. (laughs) Well, not to mention,
0: you know, those... those three letter yeah. agencies would have no meaning to a 14 year old, right And then exactly yeah, no meaning to a 14 year old and at that point, if somebody shoots your dog and you don't know what's going on, it's, it's like self-defense at that point. you know what I mean yeah, somebody's yeah. shooting at you. So there's just nothing about about what happened is is okay or legal in any way, shape or form. and um you know and to me actually, it's just mm-hmm, go ahead Rob. Was-
1: that was Kevin's because Kevin was with Sammy when they were out walking the dog and Mm -hmm. when the ATFs said that they announced that they were ATF and to put their hands up. Um, Mm -hmm. So Kevin's story of the situation was that once that happened, that Sammy had opened fire on the agents and then the agents opened up fire and killed Sammy. And so Kevin shot back, ended up killing Mm -hmm. one of the the ATF agents or one of the U S marshals. Right so i mean it all came down to who fired first and they try to say that that the marshals didn't fire at all but i mean it came out in the actual investigation that one of the marshals uh, the marshal that was killed actually had seven rounds out of his magazine that was that were gone so mm-hmm. um, they're trying to say that if you know if kevin fired first or sammy fired first and killed that marshal right away how how would he ever have gotten seven rounds off and how was yeah, Sammy yeah. shot in the back
2: one of the documentaries yeah, exactly. I've watched was breaking down like the ballistics and like where they were specifically placed and everything, and it pretty much brought up that it would have been almost impossible for Sam to have ever shot first because had he have then the agent probably would have been dead because Sam only shot one bullet, um, and hit that agent like square on if I if I remember incorrectly,
1: yeah, right. And I believe that the ballistics that actually came out was that that agent Cooper was the one that fired the bullet that killed sammy so Mm -hmm. i mean and that's kind of what tore up their whole uh, prosecution for the fbi and the atf was that their their story was so wishy-washy and nobody Mm -hmm. had the same story and they couldn't figure out who fired what shot and who was shooting at who and who missed shots i mean even coming down to the sniper that killed vicky uh, Mm -hmm. his initial story in court was that he didn't know that she was behind the curtain however it came to find out later on that he actually had a drawing the day after that he made a sketch mm-hmm. of you know of his account for it because every sniper that's what they do you know they they account for their shots and mm-hmm. in his sketch he actually had what were hands on the curtain or two heads in the curtain where he said that that there wasn't two heads ever there during his testimony so i mean it, 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 their whole wow. story of of the accounts of who fired what bullet i mean i mean we know as law enforcement you have to account for your rounds i mean that's yeah. the one of the agents was a 14 year veteran, the one that was killed. And, you know, these guys had no idea wh- where their bullets went, which mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for a special operations team, right. Cause this is a special operations team Yeah. Uh, to not know where the bullets go and to miss targets.
0: Um, I, I yeah. don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And when you sit in, in court and try and lie, I mean, you're, not just undermining everything you say, but everything that your your side is trying to say, you know. And so it's just nothing booted well from them for the for the from the beginning. And it's interesting too to me that some of these agents ended up being some of the same ones that found themselves in Texas for Waco, and again making making some of the same mistakes, doing some of the same illegal shit. Hold on, and I want to say this too. I keep saying the word mistake, but like. I don't think it's a mistake. I think it's just BS tactics that they think they're going to get away with. So I'm just going to yeah. say that. Whatever word that is, that's what it is. Zach, you I, say something?
2: Yeah, yeah. The, the sniper team leader who uh, was at the Ridge, not the one who shot his wife, mm-hmm. uh, Weaver's wife, but the like one who was in charge of that other sniper, it was the same sniper. Who had like David Koresh's? Like he he swore that he saw David Koresh at, like the top of like the tower at Waco. And he he could have took the shot, uh, but he decided right. not to because he he actually thought this, this is actually good credit to him. He thought back to Ruby Ridge in his interview. He said he didn't shoot because he wasn't forced. He wasn't sure that it was David Koresh, and he didn't want another Ruby Ridge incident where they accidentally shot like the wrong person. Um, because in Waco, they were told if you see David Koresh, you could shoot him at any second too. Like, there was not a mm. if you see David Koresh in your shirt saying you could shoot him. That was also their policy there. Um, you were talking about how, like, it took, like, 18 months, right, for uh, um, them to, like, do anything with, like, Weaver. Um, in one of the documentaries I watched, there was a guy in uh, Texas, East Texas, trying to find the exact place, so give me just one real Quick second, um, in, yeah, just East Texas. I can't remember the exact name. But his name was John Joe Gray. This happened seven years after Ruby Ridge. He got stopped by a state trooper. Got into a little scuffle with the trooper because he felt like he was being like stopped for a bullshit reason. He bit the trooper, right? And then he ran away and went to his land. Um, he got to his land and everything like that. And there was like a little like a siege there too because they knew he had a bunch of weapons and a ton of land. But eventually, like the sheriff of the area said, all right, we're not going to we're not gonna push him unless he comes out. And so then they were like, we're just going to kind of leave him there. So then a year goes by, five years go by, 10 years, 18 years. Like he's uh, dead Jesus. now, but he died on the property. They never went in and got him. It was like 18, 19 years, and he was just chilling. Uh, on his property, he never left it. He had people come bring him supplies and stuff. He lived off his land, um, but you said it took like eighteen months for them to deal with Weaver or to finally do something. They probably could have just left him alone, and he would have done nothing. Like they left the dude alone in Texas, just stayed on his land. You're like you're not going to have a whole Ruby Ridge incident over a dude to just bit a trooper. Like that seems a little ridiculous, <laughs> right? And it's I mean, if you're about.
1: and you're talking about the eighteen months, like. In 18 months, you're telling me that Randy didn't go into town one time? Like, you didn't That's yeah, true. have surveillance on him? Like, you you, mm-hmm. you just automatically jumped to a special operations team? I guarantee you, you had surveillance on the guy. Like, it yeah. would have been way easier to just snatch him up as he went in to go get milk and cigarettes.
0: It, it would have been. If you're if you're so worried, like, you're thinking, you're here, here you are planning this operation, you're like, okay, this target is a, a Vietnam vet, Green Beret, Right. Why on earth would you think it's better to just come at this guy in a way that he could perceive as like a hostile act? You know what I mean? Other than like you said, man, go pick the dude up at the grocery store parking lot. You know what I mean? That seems if I was planning some and I and I, you know I have been on, you know, teams where we're executing a warrant before, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like you want to do it in an advantageous way. There's it almost feels like there is there's an attempt to collect more illegal activity right and and instead of just being direct about what what's going on they probably thought they were going to milk this situation and turn it into something it wasn't instead of just handling the business getting it over with and if this really was somebody who is dangerous or whatever you're getting them off the street but that wasn't the plan to me yeah. this is some sort of like situation to milk something out to hope something else happened.
2: Right. well i think when the fed boys were like <laughs> like pretty that. much told no right and they were told, no, wait, like, hey, be our informant or else we'll tell everyone that you saw the shotgun an inch lower than you should have. Um, yeah. And he was like, he's like, nah. And he's went back to his land. I bet they were upset with that. They're like, I'm the ATF. I'm the yeah. FBI. D- no. Did you
0: really think that you were going to bribe or, or coerce a, a Vietnam Green Beret? Did you really think that was going to happen and go well for you? Like, how no. dumb are you? <laughs> yeah. Like, for real.
2: They, they And then once it blew up to something, like, so large, obviously they were all trying to, like... Like, they had, like, helicopters flying around everywhere. Yeah. Like, it was like a war zone to the ATF and FBI. And to Randy Weaver, he's just sitting there with, like, his... You know, he can't go see his, his son. Yeah, literally needs, kids. Yeah. When he tried to go see his son's body, like, the next day or to go to retrieve it, he got to another firefight. And they just yep. started shooting at him. So it's yeah. like... It's like come on, like have some type of human decency. And it kind of goes, I think it goes back to what you were saying about titles, and they're like, well, white supremacists, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure every ATF and FBI agent there, in their mind, had unhumanized Randy Weaver and unhumanized his family. To them, they were a crazy, anti-government, racist, mini-cult, and they had to be stopped.
0: Exactly, man. And we've had that conversation before about how when you other somebody, right, mm-hmm. and you other a group, you other a person, it becomes so easy to break break rules, dehumanize them. You know, it's, it's something that we've seen over and over and over again. And it just... I agree with you completely that's exactly probably what happened and not to mention how much you know misinformation do you think those those people that were out there Because there's there's people that were there when it started and there are all the other people that showed up after the fact right mm-hmm. you know how much how, how many times have you been on scene somewhere and somebody's just telling you stuff about what's going on and whether they're doing it on purpose or not and mo- you know, more than likely they're not they're giving you info and it ends up being wrong you know yeah. I've read the you know I'm, I'm a flight chief I've read the blotter before it's been like yeah I was actually there this is not what happened but this would have been the official (laughs) account you know what i mean so like like get out of the seat i'm gonna write this up i was sitting there you know what i mean so it's just one of those things where it it becomes so easy to think that somebody is 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 something they're not or something is what it isn't and it is it's really sad to me like you said i like that you said you put your yourself in sam's shoes like it's got to be pretty sad to be I can't even imagine the emotions they were all feeling, but to know that you can't even go to your son's body and that the FBI found it just be just because they were they were tightening their like security group, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like the, the circle. This that's just it's wild, man. There's so much. It's just It's an American citizen. You're doing yeah. this to.
2: It would, you want to get to like emotions and stuff. Mm-hmm. So when when they shot, I, I, her name was Vicky, correct? That's Vicky, the, Vicky, yeah. yeah. Vicky. When they shot Vicky, according to the sniper, he thought he shot Randy Weaver. That's who he thought he shot, according to his situation or whatever, like after the fact. Yeah. But for days after Vicky was shot, they were on the loudspeaker telling, Vicky, come out. Come out Mm -hmm. with your family. Come have pancakes with your kids. Imagine being Weaver sitting in your cabin next to your dead wife. And the FBI for days is telling your wife to come out. Like from his point of view, you're mocking him. Right. You're right. you're you're destroying his like wife's name. You're, right. You're you're doing emotional damage. And they the FBI and ATF still to this day say that they didn't know that she was dead. And whether they did or didn't it, it is is besides the fact. But. It just
0: doesn't make sense. Who did you think you shot? Like there, if you go and look up a lot of the like photos that were captured when it was, the siege was still ongoing, Mm -hmm. there's pictures of Vicky standing outside on the property in a nightgown. You know what I mean? Like you knew what she looked like. And I guarantee you all those photos, we know how procedure is all those photos and everything they were probably given to people. So they knew who they were engaging with just in case, you know, it's rural, it's rural Idaho. I mean, what part of Idaho really isn't rural, right? But you know, well, you may encounter other people, you know, and there were people there that were protesting. There were people there that were, you know, signs, picketing, all that stuff about what was going mm-hmm. on. It's just to me, like what you said, it doesn't add up. How do you, how do you not know who you shot? Especially if, like you said, Rob, like you're a professional, you should know. Like you, you have yeah. a, a scoped rifle. You know what I mean? I don't know. There's just yeah, you're so much idiot, about it doesn't make any sense.
1: One-year sniper. So you've mm-hmm. got to be pretty much your top shot, right? Mm-hmm. Not only are your sniper, but your special operations team sniper. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like saying... I mean, that's like being a SEAL Team 6 sniper. You, the, the guy is not going to pull the trigger unless he has positive identification of who he's shooting. The and sniper yeah. who Vicky,
2: shot Vicky was a prior Army, um, yeah. like Delta Force member, and a sniper in the Army. So, yeah, yep. he's not he he's known every shot he's ever taken he knows the face of every person he's shot like for right. sure like there's no well, way he doesn't know
0: yeah and here's the thing too they one of the accounts i read said that the fbi thought that randy was charging them right that he was going to engage an fbi helicopter you know so it just it i don't know how do you how do you make that mistake again it just sounds like this bs i don't know in what you can attribute to um, malice, you can probably also attribute to incompetence, right? But it's hard to believe there's that level of incompetence, like you said, Rob, when you're dealing with people at that level of professionalism. I mean, mm-hmm. when you agree, it's just, you know.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, looking at the time frame when everything happened, uh, Randy was, I mean, he's kind of the, the forerunner for what we see now as the guys that want to just – live off the land you know it, yeah, it wasn't true. it wasn't common back then for people to say i don't want anything to do with the government i want to be with mm-hmm. myself the government doesn't tell me what to do i'm not going to go to work i'm not going to do i'm not going to be your henchman i'm going to i'm going to mm-hmm. live my life in the in the mountains um, gonna be and, free and the government didn't know how to deal right. with that and they didn't know how yeah. to deal with the guy that says no i'm not going to be your informant um mm-hmm. so they 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 took this whole thing and they they blew it out of proportion and when you you follow it, you follow that to from that to Waco. I mean, they say that they've learned their lessons on on the way that they handle businesses. But just a few years ago, if you look at the BML B, or the the uh, Bureau of Land Management standoff mm-hmm. over I think it was it, Washington State.
0: about um, Bundy they, Ranch? Yep. The Bundy Ranch thing. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I
1: mean we're talking about the same thing where guys just the government doesn't know how to, to deal with its citizens.
0: Yeah, this is literally just you're you're getting into this standoff over grazing rights. For cattle. You know what I mean? It's just like there's got to be an easier way to deal with this other than bringing guns. And I'll just say this, you know, like. Thank God we do have something like the Second Amendment and the ability to form a militia because mm-hmm. it just goes to show, again, you know, a lot of these same people that, would, that are yelling about, you know, taking gun rights away from Americans are the same people that are glad that the U.S. government is paying billions of dollars to arm Ukrainian citizens, you know, get, further proving that citizens with a gun are a good thing. You know, mm-hmm. there's just there's so much I- irony and dichotomy in these thought processes that it's laughable right but you don't
1: you don't need an ar-15 to to go hunting so
0: yeah no exactly this is one of my favorite things is uh showing somebody picture Mm -hmm. of an ar-15 and being like okay here's another rifle the same caliber which one scares you more you know what i mean it's just like i've told so many other people too but you know they're like well isn't like an ar-15 like isn't that just like one of the most deadly weapons it's like well first off it, yeah it's a deadly weapon in general if if you get shot with a gun at, you know an ar-15 and then i shoot you with you know i don't know a, a 30-06 you, you're both you're going to be dead either way there's no more dead than the other you know what i mean yeah. but it's just like dude you, you understand that you most people go hunting with larger caliber calibers than that very often, yeah. you know, it's yeah. just like, oh, well, it's just that's that's not a it's not what you guys use in the military, though. It's like, no, you're right. It's not what we use in the military. We have even bigger ones than that in the military. You know, yeah. it's just there's no there's no logical train of thought to me.
2: I like the I like the counterpoint when people are like. Only the military should have AR 15s, and I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, well, the military never has <laughs> never, <AR-15s>. no. right? <laughs> so, right. are we gonna give it right. to them now? Like, exactly, do we not understand the difference here. Mm-hmm. And then you're Other talking effective. about like, yeah, you're talking about like scary gun and non scary gun. Yeah. Uh, you can take it's like the AR 15, right? That's the scary gun, you can take a, a, a Ruger Mini 14. It'll take 20, 30-round mags, still shoot 5.56. It's still Mm semi-automatic. It'll do everything the AR-15 can, probably a little bit better. And, uh, yeah, it's just a wooden gun. But, like, that's fine. It's perfectly okay. It's no big deal. It's
0: because it doesn't look like an M4. You know what I mean? That's literally the whole thing people get hung up on, in my opinion.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And then there's the there's the whole like well AR it stands for assault rifles. no like, well, it doesn't. It stands Armalite. for Armalite. Yeah, yeah. Armalite yeah. rifle patent number fifteen. That's right. why it's called AR fifteen. <laughs>
0: That's even scarier, Zach. You better, I'm, I'm getting. I'm shaking over here, dude.
2: Because because of, of the the two two letters A and R, they freak no, you out?
0: It, honestly, it's probably because <laughs> this is like my five thousandth gram of caffeine today. So honestly, nice. Right. Yeah.
2: You're you're raining the day.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. I don't know what do you drink it, Rob. It looked like. Is a sweet tea?
1: No, nope, This is uh, a little bourbon.
0: Hell yeah. Mm. Yep, Good for yep. you. That's
1: right. It's Friday I thought you were going to
2: say it's illegal moonshine. <laughs> yeah, yeah man, that's right. <laughs> but,
0: yeah. <laughs> it yeah. could be. The right. FBI. Yeah.
2: So they might come Ruby mm. Richard, you know. know. So <laughs> no, we're moonshine. in Florida. We're free down here. We, yeah.
1: We don't have Heck any friends yeah. <laughs> in
0: Florida. <laughs> right. Is this what, exactly. This is the second episode in a row where our guests has had bourbon. I like it. Maybe we should make that a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Trent, Trent had some nice bourbon and Rob's got some bourbon. Maybe we should have bourbon.
2: We should just make our own bourbon, even though like it'll probably taste horrible and just sell it. Like it's the best bourbon ever to exist. There you go.
0: You thought I came with
2: fire.
1: That'd be a good name for a bourbon,
2: right? It would be. That's
1: true. Or right. moonshine.
2: That's right. <laughs>
0: I'm copyrighted
2: yeah. right now. Verbally. Can't take our idea. I will sue you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, one of, the, one of the interesting uh, connections I found in, in researching, I didn't know this, is I, I wasn't old enough to remember uh, the Ruby Ridge incident in 92. I was only five. But I do remember the Oklahoma City bombing and when that happened and seeing that on the news. And um, but I had no idea that, A, Timothy McVeigh went to Waco and was a supporter out there, you know, um, essentially uh, protesting against the siege that was going on there. And then mm-hmm. I did not know until you know, this week doing some research that Timothy McVeigh cited Ruby Ridge as a reason about why he did what he did. Right. And, yeah. and I'm definitely not justifying blowing up a building. Right. But I'm just saying that it's kind of nuts that that's, I had no idea that that is, was his uh, motivation behind that. Did you guys know that? Mm-hmm. Yes. I did. I did. Yeah. So, yeah. So if you yeah.
1: think about it, like if you take somebody that's already um, far, far right extremist, right. Somebody that's mm-hmm. already that, I'm going to, I'm 100% on my own. I don't like the government. I hate everything to do with the government. And Mm -hmm. then you throw a compounding factor like Ruby Ridge, and then you throw a compounding factor on like Waco, and Mm -hmm. you already hate the government. Like in your soul, you can't stand the government. And then these Mm -hmm. two things happen that just, I mean, fuels your fire and hate. I mean,. It's going to push somebody over the edge, right? Like it's, it is, it's not, it's not unthinkable that, that somebody's going to say, all right, government, you've already overstepped your bounds. You've already said you don't care about your citizens. You already said you're Mm going to kill your citizens without due process. You Mm -hmm. can take your constitution and shut up your ass because it doesn't mean anything because Mm -hmm. you've already killed people without even giving them due process. Right. I'm I'm, going to go after you.
0: It's very easy to see why that becomes the motivation for somebody to go do something like that, and and you can. There's a bunch of cases, um, you know, criminal cases, right? Of people citing things like Waco, you know, or big government for why they did things. And I'll say this, right? Like again, blowing up a building, doing something like that those those things are not okay. But at the same time, these are symptoms of government infringement. You know what I mean Mm -hmm. on on rights as American citizens, Mm -hmm. and and it's, it would, it honestly makes me wonder if something like that happened today. Cause you, you did mention the, the Bundy, Bundy Ranch thing, right? It obviously did not escalate to the point that, that Ruby Ridge did. But it makes me really wonder today what that would look like. A, obviously like the technology that you know these three letter agencies have is a lot better than they had in 92. Right. Mm-hmm. So it might it been a lot easier to see what was going on in that house. There'd be drones involved, there'd be all kinds of other stuff. You know what I mean? But drones it really makes to cover me wonder their tracks. A lot easier to cover their tracks. But it makes me wonder too, because if you Aside from some of the bigger like newspapers back in the day, like I said, the New York Times, like their their entire headline for when the siege was over was "White supremacist Surrenders." You know what I mean? Is I wonder what the political cl- what the political climate in the United States, what the court of public opinion would do with this God, I mean, like it, just the misinformation and then the the online smear campaigns would just be insane you know Mm -hmm. it already is if you go on like if you go google or if you go to instagram or 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 tiktok or you try and look some of this stuff up you get so much stuff from like you said the the far right far left people that are like you know wow this actually is freaking insane you know and um there's somebody that uh the works on base that I'm friends with who'd never heard of this. And I told her, I was like, I was like, Hey, cause she started listening to the podcast. I was like, Hey, go look up, go look up Ruby Ridge. This is what we're going to talk about. And you know, I kind of told her, you know, what we were going to do. And, um, the next day I seen her and she's like, dude, she's like, I read this and I sent it to like eight other people. She's like, that's so wild. What happened? And she's like, I can't believe that's, that's just so disgraceful what they did, you know? And all, and it's just, but it makes me really wonder what, what that would look like today in today's age. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
2: It'd be pretty insane. It, it, it would like, be. I can't. Well, it, it's like a pendulum, right? So mm-hmm. you, you had you had Ruby Ridge. It happened, and it was like huge government overreach. So then, obviously, the people at Waco know that that happened, and they're mm-hmm. now like aware that this is how it could go. So, mm-hmm. like, the pendulum's going to swing back this way, and mm-hmm. then it, and then there's a big overreaction from the government there. And then you get the pendulum for the Oakland. like it just, it, its just it's going to keep swinging further and further the more momentum it gets. So, um, it, it's nice that the that the cattle ranch one didn't like swing real hard, I guess, and it, it settled relatively peacefully. But
0: um, it, I mean, it, I think in my opinion,
2: time, you could knock mm-hmm. the pendulum real hard, and you know it's going to come back. It's going to yeah. come back at you just as hard.
0: Well, I think I think one of the reasons the Bundy ranch thing didn't go like ruby ridge is because of how many people were there with guns right yeah and to me this is one of these situations where american citizens stood up and the government backed down you know what i mean mm-hmm. and it, dude when it that's to in my opinion that's the way it should be you know if you're okay. your people you govern at my permission you know what i mean, I mean and that's represent so, me Exactly. Yeah. Right. So. I want to talk about uh, that smear,
1: smear campaign too because, I mean, you look mm-hmm. at the, the bunny situation and you can't really say a cattle rancher is an evil entity. It's <laughs> right. as easy as you could say a Aryan nation and white supremacist is an evil entity. <laughs> exactly, I mean, you know, right. Two different, you they, know, two different planes. Yeah, So no it's, kidding. it's a lot easier to run a smear campaign when somebody's already got that reputation of of they, being a bad yeah, option. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. They could probably spin cattle rancher to being like the death of like, the environment because they keep farting. That's like right. Yeah. Oh, there you water. go, man. See? You're yeah. helping
0: them out now, Zach. You're just helping them yeah, out, dude. It's because Yellowstone Yellowstone a boy.
1: Right? They're, all, they're all killers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All Yellowstone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know, man, because. um, when you consider just like what the newspapers and and the media was back in ninety two, the the internet was not a thing, you know, mm-hmm. and so you have a lot of these. Um, the news people get is either on TV or from newspapers, right? And so it's become so much easier now to kind of regulate what the narrative is because everything is online and instant. So when you have uh, all these newspapers, if you go and look at some of the news now, these smaller publications, they are all just kind of like um, subsidized by bigger newspapers. So they really only print what like, you know, the Washington Post or the New York Times or whatever – Prints and says, and you even see that. Like I've read plenty of news articles before from smaller publications. And it's like, oh, this is the same article from WaPo or New York Times or whatever. You didn't have that back then. If you were reading, I, I don't know, the Sacramento Bee, right? You were reading. Well, I mean, that's a newspaper here in Sacramento, right? Is you're reading what somebody did? You know, the the work on to report on, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I think that it, you know, you, that's why it's so easy. And, and honestly, I was kind of surprised to find so many old articles from actually 1992 in August online, you know? And again, like, you know, it, it could be easy to go in and edit some of these articles. Nothing I read in them seemed like it had been changed. You know what I mean? Because you mm-hmm. find so many that honestly defend uh, the weaver family you know what i mean yeah but then the, there are some it's you know it's in your typical places you expect right you know new york california where they're they're being condemned and stuff like that but i feel like it would be a lot more now you know than than it would have been back then too but um, you know, the, the way technology has changed the game too, is kind of wild, even with like artificial intelligence. When you had that, that, uh, picture that came out, you remember a couple months ago yeah. where, um, it looked like there was a bomb at the Pentagon and it, oh, you yeah, know, yeah. Do, yeah, like it would be so easy now with the way they change people's voices and they can, you know, generate, you know, photos and video that look legitimate, you know, definitely mm-hmm. something like that, um, can make it worse. It can start something like that. That Pentagon photo started a bunch of shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. We it just it's nuts.
2: had to like come out publicly and be like, "That's fake." There's That's no fake. At the exactly. Like, exactly. Stop! Stop calling nine one one, please. Like, yeah,
0: <laughs> and we. But we don't know whose cocaine this is.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> just saying. You know what I mean? Most secure <laughs> building in the United States, probably. No. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> yeah. All I'm but just saying, more man. Yeah. One? I don't know, dude. Like, I've never, I've never been in all the buildings, but I'm pretty sure, you know, that's that's probably top three at least.
2: Yeah, it's definitely top three. It's got to be.
0: <laughs> the other one, the other most secure ones are got to be in the vicinity, though. I mean, you got the CIA headquarters around there. You know, the the president doesn't know everything, so just saying. Well,
2: I- in August of 1992, the most secure building was probably Randy Weaver's cabin. No one was pa- allowed in her out. Uh, so. Apparently, that's true. <laughs> so. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I guess the,
1: to to kind of keep this one rolling with uh, Ruby Ridge, the the place where the ATF and the three other three letter agencies failed, um, I will say that our court system uh, definitely succeeded because absolutely. You know, when, when At they the went time. in and both sides were, were heard and he was tried, him and Kevin were tried with the jury. Um, mm-hmm. they, they were, they were all indicted and they were acquitted. So, um, I yeah. think the only charge that stuck with Randy was his failure to appear in court charge, um, it was. Which he ended up serving like an, an extra four months. Mm-hmm. Um, but the truth came out and the courts were able to say, you know what, the the FBI and the ATF and the U S marshals were, were dead wrong in this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't have their ducks in a row and they failed. Um, so that was good to, to hear. And one of the, you know, I was doing a little bit of research for, I, I came on here too, just so I made sure I had a lot of my facts straight too, is that, mm-hmm. you know, the, um, they're talking about the supremacy clause and that the mm-hmm. FBI agents and the ATF agents didn't have to follow Idaho law because they're the federal government.
0: Federal. Um,
1: so, which is true, right? So yeah. the supremacy clause says that mm-hmm. federal law, Trump's state law, but when you have mm-hmm. a jury that is Idahoans, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and you're saying, "Hey, you know, you're you don't matter because we're the federal government," when you're already in a case where the federal government just royally screwed up, yeah, you know, I mean, that's I, that tipped the, the whole court in the Randy and Kevin's favor when when you got the jury from Idaho say, "Yeah, right, the federal government, yeah. watch
2: this."
0: So yeah, yeah. Dude. We'll
2: show you who, who runs this. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's right. So you know. Let's- what's well, interesting thing. though with the, the supremacy sorry, yeah sorry with the whole supremacy uh, supremacy clause um the county that randy weaver lived in um tried to indict the sniper who shot vicky Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. they were like we want him to come we want him to be charged like all this stuff and it, it went to the feds and the feds are like nah and they just they they said supremacy clause you, you can't arrest him you can't do anything and it didn't go anywhere after that but yeah, the county also wanted that sniper like to stand trial for his shot and everything.
0: Yeah, I mean that makes sense. It, the FBI's official line was that they're treating everybody but Randy and his friend as hostages. Yeah, you know, so I mean, that makes sense. If you're if you're shooting and killing unarmed hostages, it sounds like a crime to me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah, supremacy sure, yeah. clause or otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I honestly don't know that. Uh, the courts would have seen it that way here now, you know, other than the way they did. And I agree with you; it's definitely a, a victory for you know rights and the American people that that happened and played out the way it did. I just, I do, I kind of doubt that it would play out that way because, again, you know, the court of public opinion has has a say, and it has more of a say now with just the way the media is. And I, I do, I feel like it would go a lot differently. So, okay.
1: yeah, yep, I especially as we see more and more of um you know not to get crazy political with everything but like the the liberal sure. sways of, of the states uh, yeah. and the courts it's it's definitely yeah uh, it's crazy
0: yeah no I agree it would have been different you know like the, uh, the state of idaho right you know or if this happened in like I don't know New York for instance or another state that you know is more blue than red or whatever you know so I agree that definitely would have played out that way but um, I just don't understand how these guys got to keep their jobs after that happened, you know, to, to wind up there, you know, with the branch Davidians, David Koresh, Waco, Texas to, to screw up again. Um, I, I don't know, Zach, maybe, maybe you can answer this question, but like, did, did any of those guys that happened to to screw up twice, uh, lose their jobs after Waco? So I didn't see anything about that.
2: None of them lost their jobs. Some were like forced to retire, but mm. no, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Boo you! Um, I do know the 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 one who talks the most about it is the like the sniper team lead because he was at both. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually quit. Uh, he he's like he's the type of person who I think like realized what was going on and that he didn't want to be a part of it anymore. Mm-hmm. And that he was like, "I'm tired of this stuff." So he actually resigned and quit, didn't get a pension or anything either. He just like walked away from it all. Mm-hmm. He still openly talked about it. Um, I think he's still alive today too. He's still like to talk about it or whatever both instances and the mistakes the agency's made. so, um, I can't remember his name though, but I can I can remember his face very vividly. But, I know yeah, what the- he uh
1: I know the Good, ATF, bro. they kind of got they, got, they after uh, Waco, well, Ruby Ridge and Waco, the ATF kind of got shut out from the other three-letter agencies. I know FBI yeah. stopped mm-hmm. trusting the ATF as much, and and um, the whole government kind of put the ATF on a back burner. It's almost yeah. why you don't really hear a lot about the ATF anymore, unless it's like a major yeah. firearm thing yeah. going on. Like the ATF is kind of quiet. I think that a lot of yeah. their mistakes from those two incidences have, have kind of, put them on the back burners as an agency that a lot of people trust. And still like there's a lot of people that have zero trust or faith in the ATF.
2: They were very demilitarized after that too. Cause they used to have like APCs, like helicopters, like missiles, like a whole bunch of crazy stuff. Cause that's what they thought they were going to fight against. Now it's like, Bunch of people wearing like suits and maybe like a pistol or a rifle or so, but like they don't—they're yeah. not, not like super militarized anymore. They actually use local police agencies or like FBI to do that for them. They don't actually do it anymore. They just kind of oversee.
0: So sounds appropriate. uh So did when you talked to Randy, did he ever mention that he like had any intention at any point to try and come out like as as he got some separation from? that situation and be more public about his side, or he just, you know, that turned him off to even trying to engage? No, he was,
1: he was definitely um, still engaged. Uh, He, the media kind of shut him out still a lot, but he was, Mm -hmm. I mean, every uh, public event that was uh, brought up about Waco, um, even during Waco, um, he was Mm -hmm. still a big part in that. Anything that was really what he felt was government overreach. I mean, he was a very large proponent of of speaking Mm -hmm. out against it. So there's actually quite a few speeches that he's done and and Mm -hmm. him and his daughter, Sarah, that have kind of traveled the
0: country to, to, you know, highlight some of the oversteppings of the government. Yeah. I saw that, um, you know, obviously after the incident happened, the the kids were taken away for a while, but I saw that uh, Sarah and him ended up having a really good relationship later, which I was really glad to see because, you know, I, I get, you know, for the sake of the investigation and until, you know, obviously everything was cleared up looking after the children, but yeah, it's good. I'm glad that that, that played out that way. I was glad to see that, but yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and as far as like everything in, inside the cabin, like he, he, he never had in, any intentions of coming out because of the fact that, you know, he felt that as soon as he stepped out of the door, he was going to be shot. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a, Hey, I'm going to surrender because as soon as I come out, I mean, you've already proven that you're going to kill me. I um, mean, it wasn't until yeah. that that they had an actual nego- a civilian negotiator that he trust to, to yeah. actually talk him out. Because, I mean, if you think about it, like you're you're in a cabin, your wife was just shot, you know, through the head. Your mm-hmm. your friend was just shot through the arm with the same bullet that just mm-hmm. killed your wife. Your son was already mm-hmm. shot in the back. Your dog's dead. I mean, these guys are definitely not there to yeah. take you peacefully. Um, no. So, yeah, he never never had any intentions of going out without. Oh. You know. Without dying. And if it wasn't for for a civilian negotiator saying, hey, listen, we're out here. There's film crews out here. We guarantee you that nothing's going to happen when you step out because everything's being recorded now. Um, But
2: wasn't... It
0: was a former commander, wasn't it? Commander of his.
2: He had two visitors. Former commander of his is the one who went up there and saw that Vicky was dead. That was like like day six or something. And Mm -hmm. saw that Vicky was dead. And He asks Weaver, he's like, okay, can I, he's like, can I take her out of here? Can, like, can we remove her so she can Mm -hmm. be out of here? And Weaver's like, yeah, that's fine. And so the commander left with Vicky. He put her in a body bag and came down. And that's when the, like, ATF and FBI was like, wait, she's dead? And that's when they know they killed her. Like, it was days after they shot her that they're like, Mm -hmm. whoa, what the heck? Duh. And then, uh. Uh, it was a, a, a representative that we were trusted that was the one that later on went up to um, mm-hmm. and actually got him to come out. So, yeah. With uh, yeah. obviously, so you, you spoke with like Randy, like years after the fact, and all type of stuff. And I know you just said that he did like um, speeches and a bunch of other stuff, but um, wh- what was he like talking to him? Like, like, is he? Because you know the whole media painted him as a white supremacist and a conspiracy nut and all sort of type of stuff for a while. And even when he did pass away, they still called him those things. So, mm-hmm. like, what was he? Was he just how, how was he as a person?
1: So he was a, a normal mountain man. <laughs> like, like, if I could describe him when I met him in college, by campfires. He was a, yeah. a guy that just liked being in, in the woods and being by himself. Um, he, you know, talking to him, he wasn't. I mean, of course, you know, he still had hard feelings towards the government, but he didn't like, you know, it wasn't projected. Like his Mm -hmm. his demeanor and his stance wasn't like, Mm -hmm. I hate the world. They, you know, the world owes me something for for what happened. It was, he was a very humbled, humbled guy and um, very easy to talk to. He's, you know, for him to open up and share a lot of the stuff that that he shared with me and um, some of the stuff, you know, that I didn't talk about uh, during this just because uh, it was was a lot of his personal stuff that, that he, that he kind of went in with me um, for him to open up and, and talk, you know, as freely like that. It was, it was pretty, pretty awesome to hear from him.
2: Yeah. I got, I got a situation for the, for the both of you, right? So all three of us are cops or prior cops, right? Um, let's say you're uh, a normal officer, just patrolling like highways or whatever. And you pull someone over uh, for going like, like 15 over. And then you, you walk up to the window and it's Randy Weaver. Do you, uh, you just let him go. You give him a pass. Like uh, I think the government's uh, got enough from you. I don't need to issue the citation or you write him that ticket. What are do you doing to Randy Weir?
0: You can go ahead first, Rob. Guest, <laughs> guest privilege.
1: Yeah. yeah. So so Randy, Lure, I I'd probably say, uh, you yeah, know, meet me at the bar later. I'll buy you a beer. And, uh, right. We'll have a chit chat. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm. Definitely I
0: totally agree. No. Yeah. yeah.
2: I'm letting him go. Oh Keep yeah. Going.
0: Absolutely. Uh,
2: the government's already taken enough. Uh, have a good one. Oh, yeah. See
0: you later. Dude, yeah. No. Yeah, hey, mate, go go live your life, dude. Yeah. yeah. Have a nice day. Slow down,
2: slow down a little bit, please. But go, go live <laughs> Yeah, <it>. right.
0: <laughs> I will, I'll remember your car. So if uh, you cruise yeah, yeah. by me again, I'll just wave. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Not nine, you're fine. Ten, you're mine. So let's, let's, right. keep, it, yeah. let's keep it a little better.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think that's really cool that you, you got the opportunity to meet him. You know, I didn't given what, what he went through, you know, it's, it's pretty remarkable to consider, like you said, that, you know, what happened to him, that outward, you know, aggression and hate, you you didn't see anything like that. You know what I mean? And it would be really easy for somebody to go down that path. Um, And, you know, you met him, he didn't know you. And it's so easy when you meet somebody for the first time, you can kind of get a a tell from them, especially if you're law enforcement, you deal with people all the time, you know, that, it is a testament to really sounds like who he truly was. Right. To not just be like, Oh man, you know, I'm this guy and you know, F this and F that. And you know, this is what happened and you know, and leave that in, and it would be understandable why somebody would feel that way. Like there's a photo of his um, his mugshot and he looks very upset, you know, and um, it'd be easy to see if somebody maintained that, uh, you know those feelings years later until your death you know so just to me it sounds like it's a it's a testament to really who he was that you met him and you know just you had no idea down to earth normal dude likes being out in the woods so yeah
1: yeah especially you know when i when i told him what i did for a living that i was mm-hmm. one in oh the yeah military, and two right. law, law enforcement in the military yeah like, he could have immediately just said no you're you're dead to me don't talk to mm-hmm. me cause, yeah because you're just it, in the law enforcement but but I mean, he, he wasn't, you know. He, yeah, he opened up and told me his, his story, so um, totally awesome. I don't know, it's because it's military to military, you know, we all kind of have that connection where it's very easy yeah. to talk to other military guys, but still with that law enforcement background, I, I mean, that, that definitely a, a black mark
0: on, on, on me from him, so mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it makes me think of a one time I was on I was on patrol, this is at Maelstrom. And um, I pulled this kid over. It's like two o'clock in the morning. He was speeding, he's like an old Buick. And uh, I get up to, to the window and he starts reading the constitution to me. And I was like, yeah. I was like, what is going on? So I stopped him. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, hey man, I was like, no, nah, we're not doing that. Listen, this is what's going on. Let me get your cat card, you know, yada yada yada. And he's like, he's like, you can't ask me for that, for any of that stuff and blah, 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 like trying to tell me that he has all these, you know, these rules that I'm breaking and and that the LiDAR not is not, tra- actual,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah, not, the, not actually traveling.
0: Yeah, the LiDAR is, is not actually a LiDAR that it's, you know, it's a, it's a gun that, you know, takes photos of license plates and that's actually putting him in a database. And I was like, let me, let me clue you in on something for a second, buddy. You're an airman in the Air Force. If you don't like the government, you went the wrong way. I don't know if anybody told you that. You know what I mean? But it's just like that mean what you said. You know, like he could have found out you were a cop and in the military, and then that situation could have gone the totally other way. Just didn't want to talk to you. You know, somebody to go through what he did. But this kid, you know, I pulled him over at 2 o'clock in the morning, right? He's uh, so much disdain, you know. It just I don't know, such a juxtaposition. But it just made me think of that, and it's just kind of funny. Like, how are you going to be in the air force and tell me that the government is, you know, it's like you're you're in the wrong spot, bro. Yeah, you're in the wrong job.
2: It's the yeah. it's the same thing when you have like uh like the super liberals who are like upset with capitalism and they're like tweeting about it on their iPhone. That's only possible because of capitalism. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah, now for sure. Well,
2: this just ironic. <laughs> it is. So, you, uh, this is a little off topic. I was thinking about it the very right beginning. So, you said you do scuba dive too, Rob?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, a yeah. huge into scuba diving. Uh, I'm currently doing my uh, dive master training so I can okay. uh, lead dives. And then, hopefully, shortly after that, I'll go for my instructor certification so I can start teaching scuba diving. Um, man, it's a, like, just being under the water is, it's kind of like my, it's my zen like my peaceful mm-hmm. area like you're mm. you don't have any weight there's you know you're you're just free floating um scuba diving is so thought intensive like you have to like mm-hmm. constantly think about what you're doing so everything else like all your other stressors in life they're 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 not on they're not with you on the dive like so it's yeah. almost it's 60 minutes of just peace so right. yeah, that's that's my that's that's my escape and and being down here I, I go all the time so I I do a lot of diving out of Destin I've actually linked up with uh, the uh, Okaloosa County um, the guy that that sinks all the the wrecks in Destin he's the mm-hmm. uh, he's course mm-hmm. advisor um, so I, I've been going out on some of those uh, as they're sinking ships like I'll go out on a different boat oh, that's watch, cool. watch the boat sink and then I'll go dive on the boat just to Should make like sure the first it landed one to right be there? Yeah, first one to <laughs> dive on it oh that's yeah. awesome yeah. so it's uh, it's awesome, man. I, I love it for sure.
2: So, so I tried I tried diving uh, when I was I was stationed at, on Okinawa and I tried getting into diving and stuff and I learned that uh I don't like underwater very much. I kept having <laughs> I kept having like uh, panic attacks. Or whatever, I remember like we were we were down low, we weren't even that far, I think we're like maybe like like five, ten feet or whatever. And he was having us do like he would like come up and like mess with your mask, you're supposed to clear it and stuff. Yeah. And I couldn't get past that. Every time he would come and mess with my mask, I'd freak out and swim back to the top. And he was like, yeah, I don't think diving's is for you, Zach. Yet. <laughs> you can, you can, you can snorkel, but diving ain't it. And yep. I've never gone back into it. I, I don't so know what the, it is uh, about being underwater.
1: The best way to get over that mask fear, because it's like a, a, like a big fear, is, is having your mask flood. Um, you yeah. just taking a mask and going in the shower with it. So, go in the sh- yeah, go in the shower, flood it while you're in the shower. Like, look around with, with the mask with water in it and then clear it. But you're in the shower, so you're not freaking out because, you know, you, so
2: what's, you're there. <laughs> so this, this yeah. is a little embarrassing tidbit of me. Don't take showers. I don't take showers. <laughs> don't take showers. <laughs> That's why I lost my hair. Yeah. After I was, uh, um, like, got freaked out with diving and stuff, I now, if, like, I'm taking a shower, I can't let the water, like, run on my face. Like, I always, like, look away. I know I can breathe. And all this type of stuff. But I I freak out. Like I can't have water hit my face. Yeah, there's no it's luck It's really for you. weird. Like you're not going to yeah. be a diver. Yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got worse <sighs> trying <Yeah>. to dive. <laughs> Dude,
0: that's weird, man.
2: What's funny is I can snorkel. And I can like – I can dive deep while snorkeling. But mm-hmm. I think it's like maybe just the – I can't go too deep, you know. But I think it's just like the idea of like if I'm snorkeling stuff, I'm like, oh, I'll just go right back up. Yeah. But I think there's that fear with diving is at a certain depth, it's not a, oh, I'll just go back up. It's a, mm-hmm. oh, crap, I got to wait.
0: You have to, yeah.
2: Figure it out on right. my way back up. And yeah. I, think, I think it's where it scares me. It's, you can't always just go right back up.
0: Yeah. yeah I see that. Yeah. So what what's the what's the end goal? like i know you have your your page and all that and you're getting your your um, master diving certification is is this something you're trying to like turn into a, a business for yourself or is that something that you know you're going to try and get you know a job doing with with somebody else or
1: yeah so i'll probably uh with dive master i'll probably just do it on the side you know go out mm-hmm. on, on the weekends just be a hand on the on the boat and, and do mm-hmm. some dives i uh i also work part-time as a zookeeper so that's my mm-hmm. You know, I, I get to hang awesome. out with animals all, all day. So that's, you know, I wouldn't give that up. So I would, you know, I would almost have two part time jobs where I'd work with animals and then I'd go scuba diving. So that sounds um, epic. Eventually, you know, if, if I become a instructor, then it would just be just instructing students on the side and just make a little bit
0: extra cash. But yeah, nothing crazy. What would you say your favorite dive is? Hmm. Like in Florida, or just could be anywhere. All, yeah, um, well, maybe
1: maybe all time. So probably when I went out to Stuart Stuart Coves in the mm-hmm. Bahamas, mm-hmm. Um, that was like one of my first ocean dives, and you mm-hmm. know, it was the first time I actually scuba dived with sharks and got to see shipwrecks. Oh, so that's I mean that's the one that definitely stands out to me the most because it was my first. Um, but here in the uh, in the Gulf area, um, I really like the courageous.
0: It's a mm-hmm. shipwreck
1: that the Air Force um, did munitions testing on. So okay. they put this big boat out in the middle of the Gulf. Um, the Air Force came through and dropped a JDAM on it. Um, there's actually the oh, uh, yeah. Air Force Research Laboratories has a video on it. One of my YouTube videos has their video on it where you see the J go down and, and hit the ship and it mm-hmm. I mean it, it goes under. Um, I went and do awesome. that one, so it was it was pretty awesome to see that big old wreckage just yeah mingled up on the, the sea floor. So that one's pretty cool.
0: Dude, I cannot lie to you. I like. I, first off, I've never dove before. Like I've done the snorkeling thing, um, but the idea of swimming around sharks—that like I'm sure it's just a giant miss. i see it all the time on you know, YouTube or whatever. People do it all the time. But man, Zach, if if you if you're freaking out like already with your mask, like I feel like that's be the spot where I'd freak it. Be like, oh shoot, yeah, you know, it's a shark, and start freaking out about it. Like I don't like- know. It's just. They've got to be one of those things which is like a misunderstood creature, I guess. Oh, yeah. Maybe. 100%. Oh. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: It's, like, it's like finding They're just You're going to come across oh, Bruce and yeah, totally. be like, <laughs> yeah. hello. Yeah. yeah, That's
0: right.
2: <laughs> the name's for, Bruce. Fish <laughs> are <your> friends,
0: <laughs> not food.
2: <laughs> I, I, bet, I bet a shark, when they see humans, are like, what the heck is that? Like, yeah. Yeah.
1: Most of the time, they swim away from you. Like when you go down there, mm. you make all that noise with your regulator and blowing bubbles and... They mm-hmm. yeah, usually like no, I don't want nothing to do with that scary looking yeah. thing that's under the water right now.
2: Because <laughs> most most people that get bit by sharks are usually like on surfboards or like boogie boards. Because then they get confused for like a seal or like an otter, uh, mm-hmm. not, not a sea otter. But like they get they get confused for something a shark would eat. Right. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, whoops. Yeah. And then actually, most sharks when they when they when they do uh, the people who survive shark attacks, like the shark will bite them and then be like, you're gross. You're like really bony. And they'll spit it back out and leave. Like, they're not they're expecting something else. And when they take the bite of you at a board, they go, that's not good. They, mm-hmm. sp- they leave. So,
1: even the divers that get bit by sharks, is, it's normally during like a shark feeding. Like, you're down there oh. trying to feed a shark and you get bit. And you're like, oh, why did I get bit by this shark? Because <laughs> like I stuck my in hand movie. in his mouth. <laughs> exactly.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man, you know what's well, funny is I feel like I would, like, that would be scary for sure. And obviously, like, I, I know I would probably, like, try to keep my calm. But one thing that I've always wanted to do is get one of those, those like, cages and, like, swirl mm-hmm. around You know what I mean? Like, you see those people that are, like, off the coast of Australia and the great whites and doing that. Dude, that just seems like a thrill, man. Like, I yeah, would do that probably. in a heartbeat. You good. ever done that?
1: I haven't. Nope. I haven't done any cage diving, but mm-hmm. I would definitely do it.
0: Yeah. I bet you I'd, would, man.
1: Like, I'd, I'd probably get out of the cage and go swim with them. Like, oh, I'm right. going ex- yeah. to cage.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh man.
2: I don't. I don't know why you would ever leave America and come up to the communist state of New York, but um, if you ever do, um, <laughs> there is a there's there's a lake called Never Sink, um, and in that lake is a town called Bittersweet. It's an entire mm. town. It used to be. Um, it was like the. It was a town I think like the 1960s or 1970s. And then they had to, like, flood a reservoir or whatever. So the whole town was like, hey, you got to leave. Like, it's not a thing anymore. I think I read about that. And it's, like, 200 feet under the water. And it's this whole town. And before they flooded it, they actually set it up because they knew it was going to be, like, a dive spot. So they have, like, mannequins, like, behind counters and stuff. Oh, that's awesome. awesome. That would be pretty scary. Yeah, they have, like, cars (laughs) whatever. And, like, there's, like, videos of like what it looked like at first and it looked okay but like today it looks really weird because it's like covered in moss oh i bet dude other stuff. That's yeah that's gotta but be creepy
1: scared scuba diving it would be that because i'd go around would the- be? like i'd go through the mcdonald's and then be somebody standing there the shit out of me so that's the exactly flashlight
0: that. <laughs> flashlights just like yeah. panning over it, and it's just uh, this uh, like <laughs> it's like looking at you yeah, yeah. That was give the, the shit out of me, especially if you weren't really expecting it, man. Mm-hmm. If you yeah, didn't know, down
2: there trying to give you a, his milkshake for his birthday, right? You
0: know, yeah. the heck? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's a place like that in Montana too. I want to say was uh maybe you know it's a uh, Canyon Ferry. I think is is has like uh, remnants of a town under it too, doesn't it? Yeah,
1: there's one of them. It might be Canyon Ferry. I know there's one of them mm-hmm. up there that that
0: they had some big flood. That's pretty cool, man. Might
1: be, I, so I know. uh Lake McDonald is the same way too. Mm-hmm. Like they, they had a bunch of ice houses and stuff that collapsed. Yeah, in the ice. Um,
0: yeah. yeah. I remember learning about that going up to, to Glacier. But you ever dove there? Can you can you even dive Lake McDonald?
1: Yep. yeah. There's a lot of guys yep. that go up there and, and dive it. Um, I haven't. The coldest lake that I dove was Sealy Lake up in Kalispell. Mm. Um, and that one was cold. It was shoot, it was like 48 degrees.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Freezing. So what's your what, what's your bucket list dive or like a couple of them?
1: Uh, so one of my bucket list dives was a dive in the U.S. Uh, Ariskany, um, mm-hmm. which is the big aircraft carrier that sunk down here in the Gulf, um, which I just dove a couple weeks ago. So I knocked that one off. That one was pretty Yeah, awesome. I saw that. Um, and then Australia, the, the Great Barrier Reef is huge. Oh, yeah. um, and I'm going out to Egypt uh, in a few months to go dive the Red Sea. So that's, that's mm-hmm. going to knock off another one of my bucket lists. Oh man. But it's
0: really pretty awesome. Dude. I, I have always wanted to go to Egypt like my whole life, but that's pretty cool. Are you, you going to do anything else when you go there? Or are you just like, just like diving and go see the pyramids? Or? Yeah.
1: So we're going to do seven days of diving on a liverboard. And then mm-hmm. once we get done doing that, we got to have a couple days on on land before we can fly again. Um, so oh, okay. we're going to check out like mm-hmm. the, uh, the pyramids and go over to Luxor yeah. and, stay on the Nile and do some stuff dude. around there.
2: That sounds Impressive. pretty awesome, I have, man. I have always wanted to go to Egypt as well. And not yeah. assuming I've even like, thought about like we should make a trip here soon or whatever. You're
0: going to need some like SPF 200, dude.
2: We, that's fine. That's, that's perfectly fine. <laughs> I'll be protected by the pharaohs. So i will be all right. Oh, okay. so the, uh... the, the
1: bad part about it is I heard that like if you're looking at the pyramids, like mm-hmm. it looks like the National Geographic pyramids, but if yeah. you do a 180-degree turn, it's mm. like completely yeah. Americanized. City. It's I've heard at, that too. McDonald's, like a Taco Bell, right. <laughs> like it's dude, really is crazy. It? So I'm stuff gonna...
0: like that makes me wish I could just like bring like Ramsey's back and be like, okay, this this is what you know, six thousand years later is what this stuff looks like. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> do you, Do you think like King Tut
0: thought there'd be like a
2: Taco Bell within walking distance <laughs> of, of his of a friend no. with the
0: pyramids? Not, not at all, dude. <laughs> King Tut couldn't even walk that well. He was, like, super deformed.
2: Do you think uh, you think Cleopatra would die if she ate a chalupa? you think her body could handle a uh, chalupa from Taco Bell?
0: I don't know, man. I've always, like, <laughs> you know, these are, like, conversations you have on post. But, like, the one that's, like, if you could give, like, a pilgrim a monster energy, like, what would happen, <laughs> you know? I would I would pay to see that. Like, I, that would just be probably one of the funniest things ever. First off, like, they probably had no idea, like, this is the flavor they've never probably had before, anything close to it. And, like, obviously, like, dude, they had beer and stuff like that back then, so they knew what carbonation was. You know what I mean? But mm, not mm. to probably the degree that some of this stuff is. You remember yeah. you remember those mustard nitros? You remember those? Dude, yes. those, those things, 50 man.
1: milligrams of caffeine. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Those things are insane. I There was a guy, one of our flight chiefs when I first got to Malstrom. the only thing I ever saw this dude eat was uh, mustard nitros and beef jerky. And that dude could clear out. i I'll just say clear out the armory, man. Like that was bad. It was bad. <laughs> yeah. So like, just that would screw up. Like you're just like Plymouth Rock. You're like, man, I, I got, I got the watch, dude. I look out for the the natives. Here's a monster. What is this? <laughs> there
2: was a there was a sergeant, um, Sergeant Brinks. Mm-hmm. at Fairchild and yeah. he always had a Mountain Dew with him mm-hmm. and he just like always like, I don't think he ever had water in his life he was mm-hmm. always drinking Mountain Dew mm-hmm. but he could outrun all of us out oh, yeah everyone like yeah. he was an animal but I actually he was, I recently heard he had like diabetes or something that's it's not something I'm, like to laugh about I guess but it's all the Mountain Dew that like, guy makes sense <laughs> <Yeah>. right yeah <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: Dude, uh, yeah. one of the flight chiefs I had in, in Montana, you, I think you know him, uh, Chris Tilt. You remember yep. him? Yeah. Yeah. Only thing I ever saw that duty was was Snickers bars and Mountain Dew Live Wire, and like he had this lunch pail. He'd come around and like just walk in <laughs> and out. just yeah, yeah it's <laughs> just rattling. And I remember one time he like opened it and I was like, I just like looked in it and it was like six or seven like Snickers bars in there and two like two bottles of like two, uh the Live Wire, and I was like, <laughs> Sergeant Tilt, I'm like what are you going to do when you're like 50 and the only thing you've eaten for 20 years is Snickers bars and Mountain Dew. He's like, I don't care. I'm like, okay, I know. It's just like, that's the stuff. So it's like, the only thing you consume is that and dip. It's just to like, crack me up. I love Sarnatopia. So funny, but yeah, I
2: think, it's, I think it's so interesting. The stuff like we consume like on post or whatever to get to the day or kind of like, mm-hmm. little stuff. Well, uh, whenever I, I used to get like pretty bad headaches and stuff. And, uh, I would combat it with BC powder. You know what BC powder is? Oh, yeah.
0: I remember seeing that.
2: Yeah. So it's a little little powder and it's got like aspirin in it. It's also got like 200 milligrams of like caffeine and like something Mm -hmm. else. But I would take BC powder and like a Red Bull and I would put the BC powder in the Red Bull and then just down it. Headache, gone. Pain, gone. Alertness, like at 11. Yeah. (laughs) I was ready.
0: (laughs) Dude, one of the scariest things that I've ever seen in my life was one of my troops about to work the vehicle entrapment area for the day. And he takes a monster and he pours it into like one of these like 32 ounce uh coffee coffee mugs and then mm-hmm. brings out two five hour energies, shakes them up, pours them in there, and just downs this thing. I'm like, You're gonna die. Like, I've never Dude. seen anybody take that much caffeine Like in one take, you know what I mean? Like you got to pace that out through the day.
2: He was ready for the 14 hour shift. uh, It was that. that And it was
0: probably like two degrees outside. And he's like, you know, I don't know what else I'm going to do. I'm like, you better let me know, man, if you're having a heart attack out there because it gets busy in here. You know what I mean? Like it's just that's the craziest thing I've ever seen anybody do. It's just like he was fine. It's just like the body can take more cap. Yeah, he's fine
2: that day. Right. right. Yeah.
0: No, now, now he's got like endometriosis or something like that because of that. But yeah, <laughs> Endometriosis.
2: Do you know what endometriosis is?
0: I don't know. Endocarditis. <laughs> that's what I meant to say.
2: Unless yeah. He's a woman. Yeah. No, you're right.
0: It's, it's, I'm just going to, I'm going to blame it on the caffeine. No, uh, endocarditis. That's what I meant to say.
1: Hey, you never know a monster and two, five hour energies. It, it, it might do something to your body.
0: That's true. Yeah. Right. <laughs> God, Transgendered I'm, such, I'm <laughs> such an idiot. You know what I mean? Just sitting here like yeah, things that make no sense. You know what I mean? You, We've been talking you, about things that make no sense the whole podcast. So that's right. There you go. So yeah. Like the yeah. fence. Right. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. No. But anyway. Yeah. No, I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and just hearing a little bit about, you know, him. Cause at least like we were talking about earlier it's so easy to other somebody. And that seems to be, when you look it up, what happens. And so to hear just about him as a human being, you know, and, and to hear that he's, he wasn't a bitter person, you know, yeah. willing to you know sit there and talk to you and can, and can talk about it. Cause I mean, that's gotta be super hard to talk about. Like I couldn't even imagine experiencing something like that, mm-hmm. you know, losing, losing your wife and your son in that way and all that. But it just, you know, so I'm glad that we we're able to at least you know bring some information and humanize him, you know, to, to people who do end up listening. Because at the end of the day, whether you know you sit there and you want to, you know, get caught up on the the white supremacist thing and think what you want about all of that, you know, at the end of the day, we're all still American citizens with rights, and we all have the same rights. And those rights don't come from the government. You know, they are inherent to us as human beings. And I think a lot of people forget that that the government doesn't give you their rights, your rights is supposed to protect them. And at the end of the day, you know, it's it's glad I'm glad that you're able to humanize him a little bit for us. And I appreciate getting that perspective from you. For sure. Absolutely.
1: Yep. And uh so if you guys really want to know like his side of the story, I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys will be able to see it, but I'm gonna pull up a picture of it and yeah. It here. Mm-hmm. So this is his book that he wrote. It's called The Federal Siege at Ruby Ridge. Um, him mm-hmm. and his daughter Sarah wrote it. So this mm-hmm. is like the full actual accounts of everything that that happened on Ruby Ridge from
0: from Randy Weaver and his daughter. So that's like I'm their testimony. So absolutely, and I'm gonna put. Uh, I have so if if you, if you guys, if anybody listening has never uh, followed us on social media, please do. But um, our highlights have a link to books for people that uh, we've had on the podcast before. Um, so I'm gonna link that book. And then I'm gonna link your page as well, your YouTube page, and uh, so people can go find. So please go find Active Duty Outdoors, support an awesome person diving. If you like that kind of stuff, it's just—I mean, I don't know if you could watch a video of the Gulf and not just fall in love instantly. Anyway, you know what right. I mean? Yeah. And um, it, it's literally the most beautiful dive place. Yourself. Yeah, it's you're too right. scared you're to dive so in. So yeah. Much, yeah, just live curiously through Rob because he's that's got right. you covered, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I think it's cool too that you you got your your kids out there with you too doing that, man. Like yeah. that's that's got to be a dream. So, but we'll link your page out there. Um, this coming week, I'll have a, I know I got that photo from you, and I'll put that up. And um, yeah. So please go check out Active Duty Outdoors. I'll post the link to that book as well. Um, but yeah, man. No, for real. Thank you so much for coming on with us um yeah i mean you yeah, got any closing sure. remarks there zach
2: just say uh, please like comment subscribe all the sure. stupid jargon that we got to say that actually works i know it takes a couple seconds of your time for you to do it but it really helps us out so please please <clears> do that yeah and just thanks for all listening and thanks again Rob, for being here and yeah it was a great episode and we, we enjoy it
0: awesome cool well you guys have a good night
2: yep you guys too